1: Hi hey there. Welcome to Way of Grace, where we study God's wonderful Word and apply its truths to our daily lives. Today, Pastor Jessica Stand will continue to challenge us with a message from his series, Arise, Move, and Go. And Moses has written down the Ten Commandments after spending 40 days with God. Did you ever imagine what that must have been like? Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's edition of Way of Grace from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward.
2: I want you to capture this. Notice what our point says, the shining of his glory. And I'm already asserting to you that this concept of the glory of God relative to shining is yours and mine. But I just ne- need you to comprehend three subpoints: The impact of Moses' participation. Do you see that sub point A? The impact of Moses' participation. It's seen in verse 28. I want to expand it with Ecclesiastes, but look at verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tables. There it is again. He's making sure you and I know that Moses has the what? The law. Moses is not lawless. The commandments are a revelation of God's righteous attributes and characteristics and his demand of us. Y'all keeping up with me. There's no way that you and I should concede to an interpretation of scripture by which we say, well, I'm just living by grace. I'm not, I'm not, not living by any of God's laws. That's a misinterpretation, is it not? So we're going to drill down into that because we love harmony. We love coherence. We love the priority of a proper interpretation of scripture. Because if we set ourselves up for a contradiction of God's word, the Charlie hearts is between our ears, not God's. When people contradict God's word, it's not because God's word is contradictory. It's because we are not harmonizing the truth claims. It's important for you to get. Very important. So Moses comes down and his face shone while he did what? While he did what? While he did what? See how important fellowship with God is? While he talked with God. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 1. Listen to what Solomon says. Now I want you to capture this. Because the application to meet you and me is this. Here it is. My proposition is as a child of God, we have that same shining. My admonition is you and I need to maintain communion with God. The promise of that is if you maintain communion with God out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. That is not possible for you and God to spend long periods of time together and people not know it. It's not possible. That's not possible. Listen to it. Who is as the wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? What is Solomon teaching you or not? That wisdom comes from labor in God's word. Who's a wise man and who knows the interpretation of this? See, wise men and women have spent time with God, spent time with God's word. They understand providence. They understand events. They understand uh, the, the claims of God in terms of boundaries and principles and right and wrong. They understand prophecy. See, when you're a wise person, you know what God is up to. But what's going to make you wise if you don't know what God is up to? Am I making some sense? All right, so I'm challenging you Christians because it's not possible for you and I to spend lengthy periods of time with God and not know what he's up to. The Lord does nothing but show it to his servants first. The world should be able to ask you, what is God up to in all this crazy mess that's going on? Oh, 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 beats me. I know you're not spending time with God because it's not possible for you to know that God works everything together for the good of his people and his counsel is in everything that's going on and you not be able to say, this is what God is up to. This is what God is doing. This is why this is happening. See what I'm getting at? Right. And in the midst of trouble, I've got, I got another application around the shining that I want to make sure you get. In the midst of trouble in our society, when trouble comes, children of God, that's when God wants your light to shine. Your face shines in trouble. There are two areas. I want you to get it. There are two areas our face shines if we're a child of God. When we are in trouble, when we are going through trouble, God is precious to people. And therefore, he reveals his glory to people by his people. Am I making some sense? Troubles are often the permission of God to allow wickedness to abound like it's doing today. And doesn't God always show up in the midst of evil to manifest his glory? I'll give you one example before I go on. It's Stephen. Stephen was the first New Testament martyr of the church. And do you guys remember when he was surrounded by the Sanhedrin? Those bulls of Bashan, those lions, those dogs that wanted to do to him what they did to Jesus. And remember what the text said in Acts 6 verse 15? His face was shining like an angel. And they were like, whoa. And that's because the spirit of glory was resting upon Stephen. What does that mean? When God allows trouble in your life and you walk walked in fellowship with God, he allows you to be a mechanism or a means to help people understand what's going on. When that's happening, your face is shining. Why? Because you've walked with the wise and the wise has given you an interpretation of what's going on. And now you get to tell men and women what the wise is up to. The only wise God. Yes. It's important for you and I to get that. Listen to what he says. Going back to uh, Ecclesiastes 8.1. Who is the wise man and who knows the interpretation of, th- of a thing? A man's what? A man's what? A man's what? Wisdom. Now the wisdom of God is Christ. Yes. And the wisdom of the people of God is Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells me Christ is our wisdom. Y'all listening to me? So listen to me, child of God, when you're running off at the mouth with Bible verses that are detached from their central objective and principle, and that is summed up and revealed in the person of Christ, when you're not teaching the the word of God according to the gospel, it's because there's no light in you. There are all kind of people quoting all kind of Bible verses, trying to attach scripture to all kind of stuff. And they got y'all dragged out there on red moons and blue moons and and green moons and, 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 and economic fallouts and the Lord doing this over here and the Lord doing that over here. And they never show you how Christ is Lord over it all. So, so this is people, according to Paul in 2 Timothy 3, ever learning and never, ever coming to the knowledge of the truth. These are people that wander about kind of uh, wanting their ear itch, itched or scratched because it's itching with all kinds of bizarre prophecy to make you feel like you're learning something. And it never, ever sums up in the person, the work of Christ. Watch this. And it never comes to pass. That's right. I told our folks this a couple weeks ago. A lot of y'all listened to that crazy fella called Khan. Yeah, K-A-H-N, Khan, or K-H-A-N. He's a Jewish cat giving prophecies. Y'all know what I'm talking about. This is for those, those of you who, who run around on YouTube getting your Bible studies. Right, and, and Khan, Khan has been conning the people since Obama. Khan has been conning the people since Obama. He writes books, him and uh, Haggy. Haggy does the same thing. I I don't even remember their names and that's why I don't remember. I don't pay no attention to them. Other than to know they write books about prophecy and it never comes to pass. They make thousands of dollars on these crazy, wild, bizarre misinterpretations of scripture. And that's because they don't know Jesus. Jesus is the revelation. Jesus is the wisdom. Jesus is the righteousness, redemption, and sanctification of God. You got to really know Jesus to know your Bible. Jesus is the key to scripture. Lo, i come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do thy will, O God. Right? Jesus makes it plain. If you had known Moses, you would have known me. Because Moses, what? Wrote of me. So when you hear preachers or preacherettes, and they're not preaching the truth in Jesus, understand they're full of baloney. Bologna sandwiches. That's called Christian BS. Y'all know that. Who is as wise as the, who is as the wise man and who knows the interpretation of, the, of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his what? A man's wisdom makes his face to shine. That's why Moses' face shone. Because of the wisdom of Jesus that was present. That's why Stephen's face shone. Because of the wisdom of Jesus that was present. That's why Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17 2, Luke chapter nine, verse 13, their whole bodies were full of glory because they were with Jesus. Y'all remember that? Yes. Jesus is the revelation. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are only complete in him. And if Jesus possesses that glory, you do too. Am I making sense? It's important for you to get that. So I'm tying New Testament. Oh, Notice what he says. It makes his face to sh- shine and the boldness of his face shall be what? Shine. I love that. The theologians argue about how that is to be understood. It's simply this. The strength of that man's face will continue from strength to strength to strength to strength. OK, that's what we're about to deal with in Second Corinthians three. The boldness is the Hebrew term is strength there. So when a wise man is able to operate out of his calling or her out of their calling, their face is going to be well known, is it not? Right. When they're walking with God, it's going to change in that. It's going to go from strength to strength, to strength, even in their old age, even as they wind down, even as they wane to their last hours, they remain gloriously bold for God. That was Moses. As Moses died, the Bible says his strength remained in him because he was walking in that Shekinah glory. Does that make sense? All right. One more thing before we go on to our other point. Under point number two, we have the impact of Moses. Secondly, the excellency and dignity of what? Right. Psalm 80, verse three and then verse seven. Psalm 83 and seven. Here's the um, here's the prayer that the saints should always pray to God. Turn us again. Oh, God, do you see it? And cause your what? face to shine. Turn us again and cause your face to shine and we shall be what? Is that a great promise or what? All right. So, so notice what it says. This one here is a very economical verse. We're asking God to look upon us in his mercy, in his presence, and then not only look upon us, but to do what? Shine on us. Shine on us. We are saying that we have no life without God. We're saying that we walk in darkness if God doesn't look upon us. We're saying that we can't turn from our sins if God doesn't turn us. See, we actually believe in grace here. We actually believe that it's impossible for you to save yourself. That you can't turn yourself from evil. You need God to turn you. And then when he turns you, he's got the smile upon you. Because the smile is an anthropomorphic expression of God's favor and blessing. I'm going to say it again. I'll leave it alone for later because my time is running out. When we're asking God to smile on us, to cause his face to to shine, we're saying, Lord, pour out the rays of your sunshine and the power of their benefit to regenerate us, to strengthen us, to renew us to empower us, to cause, to emit from our being all of the fruit and all of the blessing for which you have made us yours. This is the idea of the sun coming down on the plant. is the sun coming down on God's field. We need sunlight in order to grow. We need that light in order to flourish. We need that light in order to emit and express all that God has called us to do. If we only walk in darkness, we will never bear the fruit that God wants us to. Am I making some sense? This is extremely important. Turn, O God, and cause your face to shine on us and we will be what? Verse 7, Psalm 80, verse 7. One more, one more. Notice what it says. Turn again, O God, and cause your face to shine and we shall be what? Verse 19, Psalm 80, verse 19. There it is. We're ending that psalm and notice what it says. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine upon us and we shall be what? Three times in that psalm, they are requesting that God turn his face towards them. They mean business with God, do they not? Because they know they're in trouble. I said to you a little bit earlier, these words, I said, when God is causing, when God is allowing trouble in your life, When he's allowing difficulty in your world, that's when God wants his people to shine. Did y'all get that? That is because that whole promise in Matthew 5 is in the context of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is that era and time where, where the people of God were going through trouble. Blessed are they when they persecute you. When you walk with your enemy, if he make you go one mile, go twice. If he smites you on one cheek, give him the what? This is the ethic of men and women in the gospel in a crazy, wicked world. Because what is God going to do in the midst of trouble? Allow an opportunity for you to shine with a message and a method that's different than this crazy world. This crazy world will tell you to fight everything that is your adversary. And we are all by nature impulsive enough to want to get caught up in the party spirit. Am I making some sense? But history has proven it never works. You cannot outfight the government on a physical level. The way you're going to get him is the way the first century church got him. And that's through the ethic of the gospel going twain so that when they smash you, the light comes out and they see God's glory. As it was with Stephen, they stoned him to death. And what did he say? Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. So in the context of trouble, you and I want this shining face to emerge. There's another context. I want to give it to you by application because our time is winding now. It's in the context of need. You can write that down in the context of need, in the context of needs. See, in our world, we got two things going on definitely guaranteed, trouble and needs. Needs. And when you and I are God's people and Christ is in us and we're walking by faith, then you and I possess the fullness of God bodily and we have those resources to be able to meet needs. And in meeting those needs, we grant an opportunity to once again talk about him who is our wisdom, our redemption, our sanctification and our righteousness. Am I making sense? Two categories. Trouble and what? Needs and what? Trouble and needs. Trouble and needs. Needs and trouble. This is quite amazing because I'm teaching you something that is counterintuitive. I'm teaching you something counterintuitive. Generally in trouble, we shrink away. That's what our government counted on three years ago. Make them shrink away, make them cower, make them comply. The whole thing was a compliance lesson. The whole thing was nothing but a compliance lesson. Because their job is to turn you into slaves. Our government wants to find out if we're real Christians or not. Oh, yeah, you're real Christian. Let's see. When Caesar says, bow down and pinch the salt to the false God, let's see what you do. Are y'all hearing me? And so you saw all kinds of Christians bow down. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I love you. I'm just telling you the truth. And we never had an opportunity in the midst of that trouble to shine like Peter and James did. You're going to tell us we can't preach in Jerusalem. Are you kidding? Jesus rose from the dead for us to preach. Jesus went to glory for us to preach. Jesus sent down the Holy Ghost, the anointing itself for us to preach. We'd rather obey God than man. Boy, if their face wasn't shining, I don't know what was. They are in the belly of the beast telling the rulers, whatever you want to say, you can say, but we're going to keep preaching because we believe that God has commanded us so. There it is. There it is. Stay with me. Stay with me. Let's go on. Got a few more minutes. Stay with me. We're under point number one, the excellence and dignity of anointing. I am I am priming you because the idea of the shining face comes out of Exodus 20, 20 and uh, Exodus 29, verse 20. You can start there. This was the ceremonial anointing of the high priest, Aaron and his sons. When Aaron and his sons were called to be mediators in the temple, Anytime they were to occupy their office, guess what they had to do? They had to be anointed with oil. The anointing with the oil is a symbol of the presence of what? The Holy Ghost. He's poured out on us in order that we might represent God in his presence And in his shining and in his power, listen to it. I'm going to tap it to it one more time. Exodus 29, uh, 21. And you shall take of the blood that is upon the altar. This is the anointing of Aaron and the anointing what? And sprinkle it upon who? And upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him, and he shall be hallowed and his garments and his sons and his sons garments with him. The pouring out of the oil has always been a type of anointing those who are called to ministry. Do you agree with that? Psalm 23 verse 5, the metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd David is a shepherd, but he's also a sheep, and he's talking about his great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And do y'all remember that? If you're a child of God, you should know this story. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall never need for anything. My God is able to make me lie down. He's able to lead me. He's able to guide me in green pastures. Yea, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, my God is with me, his rod and his staff. They will comfort me. And he prepares a table in the midst of my enemies. We love that at funerals and we love that whenever we're trying to be happy. But what David is talking about is when I'm going through hell and my enemies are trying to take me out, And I'm in the midst of difficulties beyond my capacity to deal with. God knows how to come along and say, David, be still. I'm going to set a table for you to eat. And David sits and David eats. And guess what the language says? Look at it. This is this is the language of what God does for you and me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my joy overflows. Do you see it? Right. This is why the two, this is why Peter and James and John in Acts 5, when they were beaten by the rulers, could go back to the people of God, full of joy, thankful to have suffered for Christ. There was an anointing on them. Y'all keeping up with me? All right, let me deal with my last point before I take us to the New Testament briefly. You and I need to just simply know it by application. The outpouring of God's spirit, the outpouring of God's spirit, Subpoint point C. It is an indication of blessing. Please understand that. Just I'll take you just to um, Numbers chapter six, verse 23 and 24, because this is the benediction I grant us every Sunday after church. You guys hear me using this Old Testament phraseology? I'm going to show you how it works. Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons. We just talked about them, right? They're the ones that are anointed. On this wise, you shall do what? Bless the children of Israel. Don't you want a blessing? And you shall say unto them in blessing these words. The Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. Haven't we learned that? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Don't you need him to keep you? Now watch it. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Now, some of you can admit that that's what God is doing right now, is he not? Is God not opening your heart wide to the revelation of his glory? Aren't you seeing God in a fuller sense in this context of worship than you did before you came in here? Is God not blessing you right now? Of course he is, because that's what he does in the midst of his people. He shows us his glory.
1: Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-bible.com is our website. Again, that's grace-bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace.
2: I don't care what